Today is all about the word brand. We're going to be talking about how to develop your personal brand on social media, specifically on Instagram, but really across social media as a whole. And we're going to be talking about brand deals, also known as partnerships, sponsorships, influencer marketing, no matter what word you use to describe it. We're going to be talking about how to get those brand deals, what brands are looking for, and how to score brand deals even without a massive following. Today, I have the honor of interviewing the host of the Influencer Podcast, Julie Solomon, who is an absolute expert in this space. She crushes it on social media, and she's helped tens of thousands of people build their personal brands, develop their voice online, and start to get paid for posting on social media. Also, since getting started in this space about 10 years ago, Julie has earned over eight figures worth of brand deals and partnerships, which is pretty flippin' mind-blowing. So she is definitely someone very very credible in this space. I do want to let you know before we get into the actual interview, the first half of the interview is focused around the idea of branding, how to develop your brand, what can allow you to stand out, what is and what is not branding on social media. And then the second half of the conversation is where we're going to dive deeper into brand deals, partnerships, sponsorships, whatever you want to call them, just so you know. But I highly recommend listening to the entire episode because Julie is such a wealth of knowledge and her stories are not only very relatable, authentic, and personable. I think they give great context and great ideas or examples as to what you can expect in your own journey, whether it is developing your brand or searching for brand deals. Without further ado, here's the interview. Julie, welcome to the Build Your Tribe podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Brock. I know this has been like a fun long time coming. You're about to come on my podcast, which is going to be super exciting. So I'm excited to be into your, your world and with your community today. Yeah, absolutely. This is great. I've been following you for quite a long time and I know we finally got to connect and now we're able to share each other's knowledge with each other's audiences. So this should be a really great podcast today. I know some of the topics that you are an expert in are also topics that our audience loves and loves to hear about. So yeah, this should be great. I wanted to start though with, I think there's like two words in marketing that everyone knows and everyone says, but also everyone has a different definition for, and it's the word niche and the word brand or branding. Like yes. everyone has also people just for the sake of it, they say niche or niche, but anyways, that's besides the point. Let's talk about branding because that's really one of your real expertises and one of the areas that you really excel in helping people out with. So how do you define the word brand or branding? Yeah. So I think that when it comes to this de definition, you actually have to start with what brand isn't because mm. it's not a lot of things that people say that it is. For example, it's not a logo. You know, a logo is a very useful tool for a business, but it's not a brand. It's not your content. It's not a product. So when people talk about buying this brand or that brand or working with this brand or that brand, they're really talking about buying one product or another. So a brand is not really that either. I really think at the heart of it, what a brand really is, is it's the result of someone's gut feeling about what it is that you put out there. Mm. It's really your reputation at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so brand to me equals reputation. It is the perception that people have of essentially whatever it is that you're throwing at them. And I think that as long as people kind of have that group together and, and really defined where they want it to be and go, then it's great. And it catches and it connects and you're able to attract your audience and bring them into your world. But most people don't really have it 
put together in the way mm. that they want it to be. And so from that, you have an incongruence with your messaging and your audience. And then essentially what you throw at them kind of becomes completely off mark. So yeah. does that make sense? It does. It does. It does. I think I've seen this meme being passed around recently that says something along the lines of, if Nike came out with a hotel, we can all envision exactly what that hotel would look like. But if Marriott came out with a shoe, who knows what that shoe would look like? So I love right. that example. And I think, you know, it's such a useful practice to tell us also what branding is not, because I feel like another thing that I hear all the time on Instagram is that branding is the colors and the fonts that you're using on Instagram. And that's what a brand is on Instagram. I can see you shaking your head. So I know that's not the right answer. What yeah. do you think does make up the kind of essential elements that we need to have in place, specifically when we're thinking about our personal brand on social media? Yeah. So, you know, what you just brought up is just that that's just one visual element, right? It's your, you know, the fonts, the colors, the typography, those kinds of things do bring a visual essence to your brand. But there's also things that people need to hear, touch, taste, smell, consume, think, feel to really bring your brand to life. And kind of going back to what I said earlier, if your brand is your reputation and then branding is really the process of establishing and promoting and influencing what that reputation is. Gotcha. And so at the end of the day, personal branding and kind of getting it into how I define that and really answering the question that you just shared, it's the story that you share about yourself. Hmm. And so what aspects do you need to share a story about yourself. You need some visual aspects, that's just one component to it, but there's a lot of other things that you need as well. You need authenticity, you need consistency, you need differentiation in the marketplace, you need a unique value proposition, and you need emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And how that comes through the senses are through a myriad of different ways. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, where do you fall on the spectrum? Because I, I hear everything under the sun of, some people say, just whip open your social media accounts and start posting and figure out your brand as you go. Some people are like, no, you need to spend, you know, six months doing an intense deep dive to figure out your brand, get it solidified and then launch. Where do you fall in this spectrum? And what are your thoughts around like for, for the newbies, the people who are listening today who, you know, they don't have a huge following or maybe they haven't been on Instagram or TikTok or whatever for very long. How should they approach branding? Yeah. So I think that when it comes to our minds and our brains really want this like set date, right? Like how long is it going to take me to do this thing? Mm -hmm. And I think that we first need to kind of move that out of the way and, and get to the heart of, of actually what it is that we are bringing to the table. Because if we keep trying to really curtail everything to this process of like, let's just keep throwing content out there and seeing what sticks, or I need to have this set thing within six months, I, I still think people are missing the mark. So I will say the first thing is that there's this idea of just get started, right? We hear it all the time. Just get started. And you just got to get started. You got to get out of your mind and into the doing. If you just get started, that is the way that you grow. And I agree with that to a certain extent. I think it is important to get started, but you don't want to just get started. You want to make sure that you're getting started on the right things. And I mm. think that it's when people just get started for the sake of getting started is when they can get very lost and kind of throwing darts blindfolded and missing mm. the mark again when it comes to their brand, their branding, the content, the messaging. And so for me, it's really about setting the stage for what do you need to start on first? Because to me, that's really 
what creates the sustainability and the sustainability is what we are looking for. Mm. And there's so many trending words out there, passive, consistent, sustainable. But to me, sustainability is really the definition of sustainability is, you know, being able to be maintained at a certain rate or level. So as long as we are focusing on what is making me sustainable, Mm. not so much at let me throw a bunch of content out there and see what sticks or let me go through a six month process then I think that that is where you're actually going to start to see some more sustainable wins. And so focusing on that sustainability, I think the first step that most people don't ever really do is what I call your brand discovery stage. And Mm. this is really about getting clear on differentiating who you are and why the heck anyone should care. (laughs) Most people love just to go to straight to, to creating content or straight to trying to make money or straight to generating offers without ever really getting clear on differentiating who they are, why that's important and, and really starting to build from there. So, you know, the brand discovery phase helps you differentiate yourself. It helps you really claim what your unique place is in the marketplace, which kind of goes back to that other word that you shared earlier, which is niche. I don't really like to use the word niche. I don't really care what anyone's niche is, nor do I care to even figure out how to define it. What I help my students figure out is let's move niche over here. Let's focus on what it is that you specialize in. Mm. What do you specialize in? Because I think that that word niche can get people so tripped up. And that idea of what you specialize in, that is revealed and unfolded in that brand discovery piece. And I love to kind of think back to like early 2000s, Brittany and Christina. Like I know I'm (laughs) aging myself right now, but when you think about Brittany and Christina, yes, they were both incredibly popular pop stars, but their brands were unique. Mm-hmm. Like on one side, you had Brittany, who at the time was kind of portrayed as this goody two shoes. And then you had Christina, which was more of this like edgy bad girl. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were both singers around the same age. They were both blonde. They both came from the Mickey Mouse Club. But it was a strategic decision by their teams to uniquely differentiate them. Gotcha. And so that is why I think brand discovery is so important. There's other levels that come after that, your brand development, your messaging, your communication, your monetization. But if you don't really get clear on that brand discovery piece first, you are going to quickly find yourself, whether that's two weeks from now or six months from now, spinning your wheels because you don't have a foundation to really grow from. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I want to talk more about this, but first, I know that you do have an upcoming boot camp, So I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about that. Of course, the link is in the show notes, but I'd love if you could share more about this bootcamp because I think it really relates to what we're talking about right now. Absolutely. It's going to basically take what we're talking about today, and I'm going to deepen the concepts of that. If you just go to juliesolomon.net slash bootcamp, you can read about it. You can save your seat. It's completely free. It is a, it's over a five-day period. We have three days where we really root into some of the stuff that I'm sharing about today so you can re-clarify your strategy and really start laying the pieces of what makes you unique and different. So you can start to create consistent, sustainable income. You can start to really pull in that engaged audience and start creating content in a way that is smarter, not necessarily harder. Mm -hmm. And so that is what the bootcamp is going to be covering. And you can go to juliesolomon.net slash bootcamp for more info there. I love that. And I think this is so impactful as well, because I know these are like buzzwords and and things we hear all the time on social media, but really things like authenticity. And if I'm to get granular here, the, the storytelling within content and the ability to uniquely show up as yourself in your content, rather than having these 
like hyper edited reels and short form videos that every single expert has nowadays and these like fake podcasts that everyone is creating for themselves. I think that branding is going to play such a huge role in standing out. So continuing to, to stay on this topic of branding, what are some areas that you see commonly that people are overthinking when it comes to branding? I mean, the big one, you said it earlier, is that niche, that niche idea of getting so, I think, scared maybe to niche down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, I was just reading an article from earlier this year where it said that creators and personal brands will have to become more specialized in 2024. And I think that's because with a larger pool of creators on social media, we have to carve out a unique niche and again, a value proposition that is of high value for many creators, because you're going to get a lot of people doing the sticky stuff, right? Kind of the stuff that we just mentioned, like pulling this all together. But how do you make sure that you can sustain and really be here a year from now, five years from now? Mm -hmm. And with there being over 50 million users on social media that consider themselves creators, but the average income per creator is under $1,000, Wow. It just goes to show that you have to become more specialized in your field, in your niche, and what it is that you do in order to sustain. And I think that most people have a problem with niching down, with specializing in something. Yeah. And I'm sure you hear it too, Brock, of just fears about, well, if I niche down, doesn't that mean that I'm going to miss out on so many opportunities? Or what if that actually means that I get so focused on one thing that I'm saying no to other people? But I think that really, when it comes down to any industry that most people are in, it's vital to specialize because specialization deals with building authority and trust. Mm -hmm. And every industry needs authority and trust. If you don't have authority and trust, you have nothing. And I think the most important piece to this to really help shift people's perspective here is that you don't need to be the biggest brand in the world to dominate a market or industry. You just need to be so specialized that people would feel silly saying no to you. And so for me, I have a rule that I share with my students that is the bigger the market, the more that you need to specialize. Why? Obviously, because there's more competition and you always do better if you do less. And I think that that's something that people, they misconstrue. They think that more means better, but we always do better if we just do less. And so it's about thinking about that specialization piece. And- The other thing that people will say is like, well, what, how how do I start to shift that? What if I'm new to the game or I'm, I'm in a transition period? How do I actually start to shift the niche and I, you know, to where I can still sustain a living, I can still make money, I can still do those things. And the way that I shifted it back from when I went from being a full-time publicist to then coming into the online space and becoming an online coach and a consultant on brands and, and brand deals is that there were things that I could talk about when it came to what it is that I offered. You know, if let's say if someone came to me and said, Julie, can I get, you know, a one-on-one time for consulting? Well, let's say that that's not really what I wanted to specialize in. It's not really what I wanted to be known for. I might've done it at the time because it was helping me build my authority, my know, my like, my trust, and it made me money, but I'm not going to necessarily market it or talk about it. And I think that that's the thing that people kind of get get lost with is that they they feel like they have to offer essentially everything that they're niching out about. And it's and I just I feel like in the beginning of those stages, if you can just kind of keep those clients or keep those deals or keep those offers 
for now, but just don't make it a part of the brand messaging. Don't make it a part of the marketing. Take it for now if it's making you money, but don't talk about it as if that is what you specialize in. You want to start creating content and creating a message and building a message around what it is that you specialize in. And that's where, again, I go back to that brand discovery piece. And then what's after that is the brand development that helps you get there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you also kind of just answered my my next question, which I was going to ask about, you know, the flip side of that coin. I was going to ask, what do you think people are underthinking or not spending enough time? But I think you've kind of just already answered that already for us. So that is helpful. Instagram is a beast. There is no lie that every single week the algorithm changes. There's a million new features. There's so much to keep track of, so much you have to worry about. And all you're trying to do is scroll your business, trying to get more customers and make more sales on Instagram. That is why we created the Insta Club Hub to help you learn exactly what you need to know to stay up to date with the changes that are actually relevant to you as a business owner and to help you grow your following and customer base on Instagram. You can check it out, best part, for only $7. You can join a two-week trial for only $7. That's 50 cents per day for two weeks. And all you have to do to grab that trial offer is go to instaclubhub.com forward slash trial. Again, that link will be down in the description. But right now, while you're listening, you can just open up your Safari browser or whatever internet browser you use and just go to instaclubhub.com forward slash trial. I would love to then kind of now pivot and talk about brand deals and you know there's a million different names for these things influencer marketing sponsorships partnerships whatever basically getting paid for posting content is what I would love to to talk about because I think that there are so many misconceptions around this and yet there are so many people like you and I and so many other people in our space who are really trying to encourage people to get into this space and explore it because it can be such a great income stream. So with this becoming so much more of a competitive space with the number of UGC creators and brand deals and affiliates just rapidly booming, how can people actually stand out specifically so that they can get these brand deals? Yep. Well, I think that again, it starts with knowing like, what do I specialize in? What am I good at? What is that thing that makes me just enough of having a competitive advantage to be unique and different? And so I'll actually share a story. I have been in the world of branding, PR, and marketing for over 15 years. I started as a publicist, which I mentioned before, and then got into the world specifically of brand deals back in 2014. So I've been doing this for almost nine years now. And I started doing this, and I'll share a quick little story. Back in 2014, I did not have a following at all. But because of my background in PR and pitching and, and knowing how to communicate, I had this little unique advantage. I didn't have the followers, but I had this education and this understanding and this experience. So what I started doing is I started pitching myself for brand deals. And I was able to monetize my blog because at the time they weren't called influencers. It wasn't called influencer marketing. It was called YouTube and blogging. <laughs> and how are you monetizing your blog or your YouTube channel? And so I started to be able to monetize my blog fairly quickly with just, you know, $2,000 here, $5,000 here, $1,500 there by specifically knowing how to pitch myself for the brand. I couldn't pitch that I had a lot of followers because I didn't. I couldn't pitch that I had a lot of reach because I didn't. But what could I pitch? I could pitch at the time I was kind of like a, a mommy content creator because I just had my son. So I was focusing in on a mom niche and I was also focusing in on a media niche. 
because of my unique background, I knew how to also pitch to media. And so I would use those two things as a way to kind of marry and create value for the brand. So what started happening is that people started coming to me and they were like, Julie, how is it that you're consistently monetizing your blog? And I don't mean to be rude, but you have like no followers and no big lifestyle brand. I have 10 times as more followers as you do, but I'm not able to monetize it like you are. And so I knew that there was an avenue here that needed to be dove into more. And around the same time, I was living in a house with my husband and we needed to kind of reshift some things internally with like the design because I was working from home, he was working from home. We had a baby that was turning into a toddler. We needed some shifts. And so I pitched to a bunch of different furniture outlets on like, hey, do you want to work with me on a collaboration so we can kind of work, you know, a touted thing that you can, because some of these furniture companies, it's expensive what they're giving you. So I was like, if I don't even make money off of this, if I could just offset the cost of new furniture and interior design, Mm -hmm. then that would be a win for me. So I started doing this and everyone was saying no. They were like, no, you don't have the following. No, you don't have the reach. No, you don't. Like, what are you bringing to the table? Like you have nothing. And so instead of just giving up at that point and being like, well, I'm not going to be able to make this happen. I got curious and I started thinking, okay, I don't have any of those typical kind of like general things, which to me, it's kind of like lazy because it's like the first thing that you can say, oh, well, you don't have a following. I'm not going to work with you. So I was like, okay, how can I get creative? And I was like, okay, so I don't have any of that. But what I do have is an understanding of media. So then I asked I know it's crazy, but I asked a question and I said to the brands, what if I could get you media? Would you find that valuable? And they said, yeah, we would find that really valuable. And I was like, okay, cool. Please hold. (laughs) So then I shifted and pivoted instead of pitching the brands because I was pitching West Elm, World Market, a lot of brands at the time. I started pitching media outlets and I had been doing some contributing posts as a mom blogger for places like mom.me and pop sugar moms and people magazine moms and all kinds of stuff. Again, just trying to build up my online brand, my online presence and getting my content out there. And so then I started pitching to media and I was like, Hey, would you be interested in in an article or a blog post about a you know, parent and me home makeover, where we talk about how a family of three is having to live in one space and how are we transitioning those elements? I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. And then I got to maybe. And people.com said, we are starting to create more content around mom and home life. So we could be interested in this. However, we would need to see more than just one room. So like, you know, could you get a a bigger opportunity for us to shoot more content around to make this a win? And I was like, okay, so there's a little door that's been cracked here. So what do I need to do then? So then I kept getting a little bit more curious. I was like, I need to go back to the brands to see which one of these brands could be interested in a potential collaboration with people. So I went back to West Elm. I went back to, you know, a bunch of the ones that I was talking to. And then World Market said, okay, you've actually given us something of value here. We could be potentially interested in this, but there are a couple of things that we would need. We would need, you know, a dot com feature. We would need to be able to link our, you know, post to this. We could set up an affiliate account for People Magazine if they want to get credit for the link back, but we would need certain things. We'd need a carousel. So I was like, okay. So then I took that information, took it back to People Magazine. And it was a little bit of back and forth of little things like this. But from the time that I initially had the idea, cut to about four months later, I had gone from getting pretty much a no from everybody because I had no following, no platform, no big lifestyle brand, 
to getting a value of over $250,000 worth of furniture and interior design services to completely remodel my entire home. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That is powerful. That is powerful. And it goes Mm -hmm. to show for anyone that's sitting there and telling themselves, I don't have enough following, or I don't have the reach, or I wasn't a publicist in my past life like Julie was. There was something that you were in your quote unquote past life that is bringing current value to either where you are today or where you want to be. And so how are you tapping into that? And again, this long story really goes back to, again, that brand discovery piece that I am talking about. If I wouldn't have taken the time to really tapped into what my own specialization and uniqueness was, I would have never even thought to leverage my background in media and PR to use that as an idea. Mm -hmm. And since then, this was back in 2016 that this deal happened. That was literally the catalyst for brands working with content creators in a capacity like that. World Market went on to do about seven different campaigns with other content creators, specifically with peoplemagazine.com because of the initial one that I did. Mm -hmm. And so it just goes to show that if you can just remain open and creative and allow yourself to remain curious, how much more can actually be available to you? And I would say now in 2024, like there's going to be so many more opportunity and so much available to you now than there was for me back in 2016. And so I just, I took the little thing that I could make something out of and I just kept working at it. And I wasn't throwing darts blindfolded. Like I, mm. I had a specific goal and angle. So I wasn't just creating pitches and content just to create pitch, pitches and content. I had an end goal, but I just kept moving towards that. I love that. And it also, it's, it speaks to your resourcefulness at that time. Cause like nowadays, most brands are familiar. The big brands have all done brand partnerships, even right. the small, medium-sized brands or companies, corporations, whatever they, they've experimented with it. They're at least familiar with it. If nothing else, if they don't even have a person, if not an entire team dedicated to this thing now. So kudos to you for that resourcefulness. And I think that story should hopefully inspire our listeners as well, who, even if you have 200 followers, even if you're just getting started, like there are ways, there are angles. And I think it goes back to what you keep bringing up, which is that story and that brand that you have to truly know in order to figure out your unique value proposition. So I absolutely love that. I would love to talk about a a sensitive subject that not very many people talk about when it comes to brand deals and that's like charging and how much do you charge and how, and how do you figure out rates? And I know money can oftentimes be a taboo thing. I mean, the famous words of every marketer and entrepreneur is it depends, but I'd love to get your thoughts around like, how do people even get a baseline of what they should charge, what they should ask for, what is reasonable and what is a little unrealistic? Yeah. So, I mean, Back in like 2017, 2018, the baseline that we would always use would be the number of your followers, and you would multiply that by 0.01%. And then that's going to give you a baseline. But there's a caveat to that, and that is it depends. And I think that so much has changed between back then and now when it's really not about your follower number as much as it's about your engagement rate. Micro and nano influencers have a way bigger pool to be able to negotiate. Negotiating is a huge part when it comes to brand deals, which is why, you know, in various programs of mine, I mean, I have an entire module on negotiating and the importance of that and really understanding, again, what your value is and what it is that you're bringing to the table. And two, like you said, brands are more sophisticated now. And so I think that in the beginning, when I was first doing brand deals, there was a lot of like 
throwing money at places to kind of see what the ROI was. There has been more sophistication that has happened in the industry now. So it's not so much of that. I know content creators that probably weren't really pulling in a big ROI for brands back then that were making probably more money than they should have back then. But as we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, sustainability is key here. And how do you make sure that you're here a year from now, five years from now, is that you really start to tap in to what your value is. And I think that with opportunities now, like user-generated content, where your following number literally does not matter because they're not paying you to create content to tap into your audience. They're paying you to, to create content for them so they can leverage more of their own marketing and ad abilities. And that's kind of like, what I was doing with that story that I shared, the People Magazine story, I was kind of creating UGC content, but we just didn't call it that at the time. And so with that, I think it's again about tapping into what are you bringing to the table? Where are you now? Also asking questions. You know, there's a, in my program, Pitch It Perfect, we actually have, we call it the Brand Deal Database. It's a database that we've been collecting between us and our 10,000 student pool over the years that gives you all the information of what was the brand deal? Was it pitched or caught? Meaning, did you pitch it or did you receive it? Who is the contact to the brand? What were the deliverables? What was the initial offer? What did you negotiate the offer for? How much money did you end up making? Did you get a return deal from it? And so I think that having access to information like that is vital and key. Otherwise, you don't really know what you don't know. And you could be leaving a lot of money on the table or you could be essentially overpricing yourself. So I think that either, you know, talking to fellow content creator friends of yours or tapping into programs and networks that have that type of information available to you is key because mm -hmm. that's the fastest way to learn is by figuring out how somebody else did it, which is why we have that database available. But I think that that's the baseline of just kind of getting that engagement follower. At this point in 2024, there's calculators and things out there that you can Google. But I say from that baseline, you want to be thinking about what are they asking me to do? How much time is this going to take? What are the terms? You know, is there an exclusivity attached to this, which means that it's going to take me out of potential other deals with other brands and partners? Other things to consider is, you know, how long is this piece of content going to be on social media or on my YouTube or on my blog? Is it in perpetuity? Because that's a really long time. So should there be some term limits there so we can renegotiate? Is there other opportunities for that I could kind of leverage this? Because it's also not just about the money too either, Brock, especially in the beginning when a creator is trying to grow. I feel that, yes, money is important because we need to make money. But I feel like for creators that are just getting started, brand awareness is just as valuable as actual making money. So mm -hmm. is there an opportunity in this brand deal where this brand can actually promote me to help me get more followers, more reach, more impressions to get my content out there to my ideal audience. Because that is then going to support your brand for the long term in a really deep way. And so there's all these different types of things that you need to consider. And what is really the most important thing to you right now? Another thing that I get asked about a lot is gifted opportunities versus paid opportunities. And the way that I look at it, just like my World Market People magazine story that I shared, the value of that gifted opportunity far outweighed the money that I could have potentially gotten paid for that, that the gifted opportunity was what I was looking for. So you have to really be thinking about like, is the exchange of value, you know, balancing out here? What is the return on investment? Is this worth my time, my energy to create the content, to do what it is that they're asking me to do? And I think that all of those things really factor into the total value of what a potential brand partnership could be.
Totally. That totally makes sense. And I love that kind of the way of thinking about it is of pitching or catching the brand deal. So putting you on the spot to come up with a random percentage here from what you've seen, let's cut the criteria at 100,000 followers. So I would assume that's 99% of our listeners who have less than 100,000 followers. What percentage of the brand deals that they're getting are caught versus are pitched? I would say, so nano influencers are going to have 10K or less followers and then micro or 100K or less. And I would say that for the 10K or less, over 95% of the brand deals that they're getting are pitched. There's another within that 5%. If they're a part of those third market companies that like you put in your information and then they'll send you deals like, hey, for $200, you can post about this or that. Those kind of more brand deal agencies, if you will, that's a little piece of that. As you start to build up to more of that, maybe 10K to to 50K, you're probably still looking at like an 80 to 20. Once you start to hit over 100%, depending on how consistent you are with brand partnerships and content creation in general, if that's one of the primary revenue streams of your business, you're probably looking at more of a 50-50. And so I love to tell people that like, if you're not pitching right now, like you're currently potentially leaving 50 to 90% of your money on the table. Totally. That makes sense. That's helpful to know. And that's, I think that should give everyone a good framework for how much, if nothing else, they should be pitching. You brought up like these third party websites where you can kind of like put in your info and you get kind of these generic take it or leave it type brand deals. What are your thoughts around those versus an agency versus an agent versus just handling it all yourself? And maybe even, you know, like at what point should you consider bringing on someone or, or an agency, like somebody to help you out? Yeah. So there's a few layers to this question. The first thing that I want to say, and this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with pitching, the other pro to pitching is not just the money, but it's the relationships that you build. Relationships in any kind of personal brand business is everything. I mean, the reason why I have gotten every single brand deal that I've ever gotten. I've gotten, I've made over eight figures just in brand partnerships alone since I started in 2014. It's all through relationships. And then those relationships lead to other things like me being able to speak on stages, me getting a a book deal. I mean, just so many other attributes to building a personal brand comes to the relationships. And so I believe in the power of pitching to not only kind of sink your teeth into how to negotiate, how to build that confidence muscle, how to really you know, talk the language, but to build the relationship. Because when you are essentially doing that, you're cutting out the middleman. So, and that kind of leads me into my next thing. When it comes to those third-party companies, I think that when you're just starting out, it's fine to do them because again, it's going to be a great learning curve for somebody. They're going to learn about the types of partnerships that they like and don't like, the types of content that they like to create and don't like to create, the types of content that their audience at the time is resonating with the most, how much work and time it actually takes someone to produce a piece of content. There may be somebody listening that can whip up a reel in five minutes, but it may take somebody else 35 minutes because they haven't really gotten their time management dialed in. And so I think that in the beginning phases, for the trial and error to really learn, they're great. However, there needs to be a point where you pivot out of those because like you said, Brock, you have uh, pretty much no negotiating power in those. I mean, they send these ironclad contracts. You cannot redline them. A lot of times everything's in perpetuity. You don't own the rights to anything. And so I just would be wary about attaching my name to something like that for a long term. But I think in the beginning, it can be useful. And then as you start to grow and build, you should be looking to 
pitching your own opportunities, whether that's to, you know, the brand, the brand reps, to agencies that work with brands, you can start pitching in that way. And then to answer your final question about, you know, a manager and an agent, how do you know if you need one? The simple answer is if you've got so much inbound of brand partnerships coming in that you literally cannot handle it yourself, or if you're just spending your you know, 100% of your time negotiating your deals and closing contracts that you actually can't create your content, that is a surefire sign that it's time to look to partner with somebody who, you know, aligns with your same mission and values. They see the vision of where you want to go and they want to support you in that. What you don't want to do is partner with an agency who's just going to be catching all of your stuff and not actively pitching for you. So that's another thing to look out for because otherwise... What's the win for you? You're just you're now giving 15 to 20% of your income to somebody, but they're not helping bring in more income to supplement that percentage that they take. So that's just something else to kind of keep in mind. But that's really the the surefire sign that it's time for you to get support. And to be honest, like a manager or an agent's not going to take anyone on until they have a breadth of, you know, partnerships that they can actually manage on their behalf. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. And to speak from personal experience, that's pretty much how it went for me. I don't think I I just started working with an agent within the last few months. And it was something that I didn't even explore or think about until I was at like 600,000 followers. And I had a lot of inbound messages. And it was kind of to the point where it was like, you know, I'm getting so many inbound, exactly like you just said, I can't create, I can't keep up. Also, I'm not type A, so I'm not good at like reading through the contracts and keeping up with deadlines and all that. I need someone to kind of help me do that. And so I was very selective in finding an agency. It came recommended from a friend and it's an agency that has allowed me to make more money because he's been negotiating on my behalf, which is something that I also admittedly wasn't the best at and felt a little bit uncomfortable doing even at times. But all that to say, it took seven years of me having this personal brand and growing online and doing brand deals before I went that route. So I just wanted to echo what you were saying. I would love to end by just kind of giving you the mic to say whatever it is that you would like to share with our audience, any words of wisdom or big takeaways that you want them to have from today's episode. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I think that when it comes to this idea of a brand and building a personal brand and brand partnerships, there's a couple of things here. I, I think that Brand partnerships are amazing and great, but that's only like one way to kind of skin the cat. Something that I have noticed because I've been in this field of coaching and training people how to do this for so long, and I have so much experience of doing it myself, is that there's going to come a time and a place where brand partnerships are just one thing. And there's going to need to be another outlet or avenue for you to actually create your own products and services. Not only is that going to open up different revenue streams for you, but again, it's just going to help amplify the personal brand. And so it's kind of like I was saying earlier, where I started with brand partnerships and you know affiliate income, but then from there came you know, products like online courses, and then came coaching, and then came a book deal, and then came speaking, and then came hosting live events. And, you know, from that came more of what I believe is is a tried and true thought leadership personal brand. And so depending on what you really want, you've you got to get kind of clear about what that long game strategy is earlier on, so you know where you're going. And I think that that's a big thing that people, they kind of start to lose their way because they're just thinking so short-term and short-sighted. I just want to get brand deals. I just want to work with brands. Yeah, but why? Like the money's great. The awareness great. It's fun to get fun products. You know, the the accolades may be great to say, I am partnering with so-and-so brand, but like, where is this actually moving your brand to? Because I think that that really helps you stay in line with a longer-term strategy on 
where you're going, again, based on that brand discovery piece of what it is that you want for your business in life. I totally agree. Well, I also want to give a shout out to your podcast, The Influencer Podcast, which I know I will be on soon. Julie's podcast comes out on Mondays and Wednesdays and Build Your Tribe comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Monday through Thursday, you could have an episode every single day with tons of juicy knowledge. I also want to give another shout out to that boot camp that you have coming up. The link for that will be down in the show notes below. But Julie, thank you so much for being on today. You're a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure we could keep talking for another few hours, but thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. And again, you can find every link down in the show notes below, whether it's to Julie's podcast, to her upcoming bootcamp, or to her social medias. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, happy networking.